Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online DonahueAccountingService.com. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. I'm J.T. Smith, editor-in-chief of the Front Office News. Fellas, we're back for another episode. Let's jump right into it. The Bearcats are currently 8-1 after defeating Bryant 85-53. to J.T., thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? It was, uh, man... It was and that was a roller coaster game. So the first half was very ugly, very, very unwatchable. It was very Xavier crosstown shootout uh hangover-ish. Um and then the second half, everything started going going according to plan, and it looked very good. But if you watched the whole game, you would not have thought the Bearcats won by 32 points. No question. So it was one of those ones, but it was good that because, you know, the hangover was real. They didn't win, you know, on Saturday, but it's one of those ones. I think maybe a year or two ago, they possibly would lose if they came out and played that flat in, as a whole half. So that was good to see and to see them push through. You know, I, I, I agree that you're right, that hangover was real that first half was master tissue ugly bro real we had 10 turnovers in the first half i think we finished with 15 or 16 but it was just bad man and um it, it was bad the turnovers and then the shot i mean we sh- we're shooting 25 26 percent from the field mm-hmm. as a whole that's with twos and threes i think at like 18 percent from three it was just it was rough man and it, it it was definitely the hangover was real and I didn't expect it to be like that, but I understand, you know what I mean? But it was good to see them turn it on in the second half and piece it together and piece together good basketball. But man, for 25 minutes of that 40, woo, it was rough. Yeah, no question. Hollywood Neil, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood Neil Neil, for the Bearcat fans out there, he's on every podcast in the greater Cincinnati area, <laughs> if you didn't know. Hollywood Neil, thoughts? Yeah, overall, uh, I thought, as JT mentioned, the first half was a little sluggish. Obviously, Wes Miller emphasized after that uh, Bryant game about the hangover following the Crosstown shootout, and he said the team was pissed off and that they had their best practice of the season the day before Bryant. So, overall, I mean, they came out slow. I think JT mentioned it. They shot just 26% from the field there in the first half or first 15 minutes, and then next thing you know, they – completely turned it on in the second half. And it all, me personally, it all started with Aziz Bandego. Obviously what he did there in the second half was phenomenal. He had a double-double alone in the second half, finished with 12 points, tied a career high in 17 rebounds. But the big man was finally able to get going uh, for the Bearcats. And obviously they used their size to their advantage. They won the glass 57 to 33, which is phenomenal. And that was kind of the expectation people were really starting to see when they pictured this lineup with Victor Locken, Aziz Bandego, Odio Guama, and potentially Jamil Reynolds. So overall, you dominate the glass like that. 
you come out and you play a strong second half, but it was one of those games where it definitely did not feel like they won by 32 points to say the least. Nope. No question, fellas. That was actually the first thing I was going to say was the, <laughs> the score was misleading. Yeah. Right. If you were to look on paper, like I ran into some people and they were like, Oh, the Bearcats killed Brian. I said, yeah, but it was, it was <laughs> different than what the, what the score kind of indicated. But you know, <clears throat> we, we, there were some positives in there. And I always want to take away the positives because it's a long season. And you have to really find victories within games like this. Like where where are some small victories? As we talk about Aziz, I think you said he had 17 rebounds, Neil. Is that right? Yep. 17 rebounds. You know, that's a victory. He gets going. Um, what, CJ had 14 points. Um, so there, I think there were a lot of little things. And I tell you, man, I've said it before. I may sound like a broken record, but every game, I just love more and more some of the things that Day Day's doing on the court. Um, there were some small, nuanced things that he did on the court that um, I think some people may not have seen, but I saw. And from a coach's standpoint, you have to love that. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to see him. I feel like, I feel Day Day's the type of player that the bigger the game, the bigger he plays, right? What's the old saying? The bigger, the bigger the cap, the bigger the pimp. Yeah, you know what they say, JT. I think that sounds about right. Yep. And and you you mentioned this, JT. Uh, you know, Day Day was a type of guy. You mentioned it. I can't remember what game it was. But he was talking. You know, he was talking trash, but his game just kept backing. You know, he kept backing that up. Yeah, 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 for sure. When you see him talking, you know, you know, he's about to start. He's he's locked in. He's gonna start. He's a run's coming, for sure. Yeah. So you know, I hope they talk shit to him at, at BYU. And and I didn't I didn't know this, but I walked by the TV the other day and I saw BYU's ranked. Yeah, they're yeah, top fifteen. Top fifteen. I shit, I didn't know that. Well, nah, they're legit, dude. Like at first, I thought that was gonna be one no ones. We can kind of yeah. like, you know, dip in, but nah, we gotta be ready. Yeah, five of the first six games are versus teams in the top 25. That's the Big 12, man. The thing is, you know how it was in the AAC. Like, that's why I was saying, you know, losing to Xavier, I don't ever want to lose to Xavier. It sucks not to harp on that game. But last year, you're losing to Xavier when you got the better team. It hurts a lot. This year, it hurts on a mental thing and just a pride thing far as, you know, the city of Cincinnati. But I, and the overall gist of things, it doesn't matter because you're about to play some killers. Like I said, the killers are on the way. And if they can beat a few killers, people will get happy. So I agree with you 100% because I, I look at it like this. I would rather lose to Xavier, learn from it. Now, listen, I never want to lose to Xavier. Never to lose still, it, yeah. That's still my favorite game of the year. Like I get, I get more emotion built up for that game than any other game. Same. Right? So I would – but – Looking at the the big picture, I would rather lose to Xavier if that meant we were going to learn some stuff and be better in the Big 12 than beat Xavier and do shitty in the Big 12. Same. Make sense? Same. 100%. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things go moving forward. One thing that I didn't like was uh, I think we forced them to 12 turnovers, but we had 15 turnovers. Yeah, JT, we had 10 in the first half, man. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all either. Because it was just like, 
I don't even know. I mean, they played like a funny zone. It wasn't like they were like the pressure was doing. It was just like them, I don't know, being unsure more so than anything. Uncomfortable, man. Like forcing, yeah, because Vic, like, you know, he was my guy to watch. He had 12 rebounds, but he was well, real uneasy. Yeah, we had seven points, 12 rebounds, but he wasn't – I didn't – I want him to play better. I'm glad he did good on the glass because he could have just been like, oh, I'm just going to have a crappy game all around. But he didn't give me what I what I expected on in that game. You know what I mean? Yep. To be honest. So, but, uh, yeah, man, it was weird. I mean, t- 10 turnovers, man, and a shoot like that, it was just crazy. So it was like we shot bad and we were giving the ball away. It was just like – that was the – well, probably one of the ugliest halves of basketball I've seen the Bearcats play in a long time. Yeah, for sure. Um, as a whole, maybe since the NKU game last year, the second half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and then for them to have that ugly half and still win by 30-some points, is, I, it means if, if I didn't see that live, I wouldn't believe it. Right. I think we were – we were winning at halftime by three. Is that three, right? Yep. 20, yep. 30 to 27. 30, 27 is right. Yeah. And then, I mean, second half. So that means we, I mean, we held them to what, 20 some in the second half, right? 20. Yeah. Because they had 53 at the end, right? So what? 20, 26. 25. 26. 26. That's 26. Yep. 26. 26. Yep. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's good. I mean, yep. We, we got to give him credit for the second half. For sure. You know, I mean, so I think the first half was so bad. We just, we tend to want to focus in on, uh, on that, but listen, um, this team's going to get there. It's just, it's taking a little bit more time, uh, more time than honestly I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because you got some veteran guys on there, i.e. John Newman. I think John Newman's doing a fantastic job. CJ Frederick. CMOS, Luke's, uh, um, uh, Victor's been around for a while. Odie's been around. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I kind of expected some things to come together a little bit quicker. And we are what nine games into it. Is that right? Yeah. Games. So still a long season. And, and listen, we said this when we interviewed, uh, Chad Dollar. You know, in college basketball, they always say the first eight games aren't going to look like this last eight games. True. Right, and yeah. you want to be better in the last eight games than you do. I mean, it makes no sense to be good the first eight and then bad the last eight games. That's true. That's not how this works. So now the Bearcats take on Dayton at seven p.m. at the Heritage Bank Center. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Let's jump into the Big O segment sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. In this segment, we cover players to watch and key matchups. JT, who should we look out for from the Bearcats? Man, so it's a neutral site game. So I am going with the point guard position. I'm going to cheat and give me I'm grabbing two this time. Um, I'm going Day Day Thomas and Jizzle James. Okay. Um, so sorry, for, uh, I'm cheating and grabbing two, but I just feel like, you know, they're not going to be at their the comfort zone of a fifth art arena, which they have played. We'll see what the eight and nine, eight and one play seven games there, play two away. So I want to see how they do, even though they are will be in Cincinnati in the city limits, um, as well, like they were in Xavier. I want to see how they do at a different arena 
And that's just going to be good to build on for the Big 12. Because everything right now is just getting ready for the Big 12 to me. And I think if they can beat a very, very good Dayton team, um, it'll be, you know, on the guards to take care of the ball and get not take four shots, get good shots. And that's the thing. I feel like against Xavier, they didn't get good shots like they normally um, like they have been getting most of the year. So yeah. I think this will be a very good learning experience for those two just to be able to um, to get people good shots. And I feel like Jizzle did a real good job against Xavier. I mean, he was on point. But I want to see um, Day-Day and both of them both uh, kind of take the bull by his horns and, and uh, get good shots for them themselves and others as well. Neil, what do we need to watch out for from Dayton? Yeah, so Dayton – is seven and two on the season coming into this Saturday's matchup at Heritage Bank Arena, downtown Cincinnati. But for Dayton, this is a team that it everything revolves around Deron Holmes. Was the A10 preseason player of the uh, player of the year? Was it 2022, 2023 A10 uh, first team all selection where he finished with 21.7. Uh, points per game last season, 10 rebounds and four blocks for Dayton last season, where he currently leads the Flyers with nearly 17 points a game and eight rebounds heading into this season. He's coming off a performance where he scored 23 points versus Troy on Saturday on nine of 12 shooting. So he's a very efficient shooter, a big size post player. And this is a matchup where the Bearcats really haven't seen someone like his size down there in the post this season. Yes, Xavier presented some problems, but Deron Holmes is six foot ten, two forty, and he's capable of getting a bucket at any time. And we have seen that over the last two seasons. And he's a fifty-two percent field goal shooter from inside that mid-range area. So something to keep an eye on there. But a Dayton team that's very efficient from behind the arc as well. As six foot seven forward Nate Santos is averaging thirteen points and seven rebounds per game. And he is a known three-point shooter. He's shooting nearly 56% from the three-point arc. And he is a guy who can score in absolute flurries. And then Kobe Brea compliments him very well. And he's averaging 50% from behind the arc. So this is a Dayton team that is really efficient from behind the arc. And they will be capable to shoot that deep ball early. But for someone on the Bearcats side of things, this is where a big game could be in play for John Newman. We saw what he was able to do for Desmond Claude and take him out of the picture for Xavier. But could he really eliminate the Xavier guards in Kobe Brea and Nate Santos here on Saturday and really kind of make them play off of that three-point line, find other ways to beat them? So those are three key guys to keep an eye on for Dayton. But obviously, in terms of Dayton, this is a Dayton team that's a lot different than people anticipated coming into the season they lost one of their key point guards in Malachi Smith in the first game of the season due to an injury, and he is out for the season. And this was a guy who uh, averaged nearly 15 points a game for the Flyers last season. So that they're suffering from a substantial loss from a season ago. But this is a Flyers team who is projected to be up there within the top of the A-10 uh, standings at the end of the season. And this is going to be a matchup where a lot of people are going to be tuned in. It's at a neutral site, as JT mentioned. This is going to be a battle, and the Bearcats know that. Uh, go to the website, Neil. Um, so we got two names today with Dayton Flyers. The Bearcat fans who are listening to the podcast for the first time, we challenge Neil Meyer, who for whatever reason 
is fantastic and saying names that nobody else can say. I don't know how he does it. Um, number 12 for the Dayton Flyers. He draws Patty Gimas. Repeat on Pope Say it again. Petros Padigimas. <laughs> that might be my favorite one right there. I hope. Does he get in? I hope he does. I hope he gets in the game. Number 45, Neil. <laughs> I was just looking at that one and that. Zimi Nui KJ. <laughs> Yeah, that, that one's some tough – that one presented some problems. The, the funny thing is for the, the Bearcat fans that are listening, we're, we're doing this and we can see each other um, because we're on stream. We can actually see each other. Neil, when you just said that name, your mouth wasn't moving with the word. It was like a like those old karate movies. Like, that just didn't, <laughs> didn't even look right when you said that. Hey, Neil, JT, look at Neil. But say it again, Neil. Say number 45. Zimi Nuakoji. <laughs> he changed it up. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> I tell you what, this is my favorite part of the podcast. We're going to need to get this sponsored. <laughs> the names. <laughs> get the name sponsored. That'd be fire. They definitely need to sponsor that. The name game with Neil Meyer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. The Big O segment is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. All right, so for my player to watch, you kind of stole my thunder, JT. You took two. Now you cheated. I cheated. I cheated. I cheated. You did. That's okay. Um, I'm going to take Jizzle James. Um, All right. And, and here's why. I, I just – I love his fearless approach right now to the game. Yeah. Um, he's not worried about mistakes. And JT, he's just hooping. I feel like he's just playing. Yep. Real free. And you gotta love, and you know what? That is also, and I was I was telling a Bearcat fan, we were talking about this yesterday at the gym. Um, I love that Jizzle's playing like this, which tells me that Jizzle and other players, like they they're getting that green light from Coach Miller. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's not he's not holding them back. He's like, I need you to play. I need you to be confident, yeah, right? Players, sure. right? JT, that's a player's coach. Yeah. No, nah, you, you want to play for somebody like that. Like, that's not, like, handcuffing you everything you do wrong. Now, if you're doing some egregious stuff, all right, sit your butt down. But <laughs> Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be shooting from half court. But, um, you know what I'm saying? But, like, if you got a coach that's letting you play, it allows you to come into your own faster, personally. Yep. You're not looking over your shoulder. Now, sometimes you might do something, you're going to come out. But at the same time, it's not like every mistake is being highlighted in that. You know, some people could think think that as a detriment or not, but I, I feel like it is helping Jizzle James as you've seen him in multiple role games um, play very, very well. So, you know, I I, I think his growth is is um, is being put on the speed burner because of that. Yeah, and you know, and I, I I don't mean to pick on Mick Cronin right now, but I think you probably know where I'm going to go with this. But yeah. one of the criticisms of of Mick Cronin was his point guards always looked at him during the game for it, it mixed like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You, you know what I'm saying? It was like over, over coaching the point guard position. Now I'm not saying Mick always did. It was just the point, you know, you'd see Troy Copain just constantly looking over and looking over. Yeah. Now I will, I will credit Mick for this when he got to UCLA. And I think when he 
um, I guess settled in and got a good feel for Tiger, right? His point guard was named Tiger. The, the yeah, yeah, Campbell, yeah, Tiger Campbell, yeah. T Tiger Campbell didn't even look at Mick when he played. Nah. Right? And, nope. and And look at the success they had. True. Right? Tiger was hoop. That was, he was a good guard. Man, I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, yeah, he was real good, especially college ball. Like he was yeah. solid, solid dude. Like real good point guard. Yeah, I, th I think the same thing. Like, I, I, like the one player, like I know I'm trying to get off track, but one player I feel like he hamstrung the most was Justin Justin Jennifer. Oh, for sure, because he sure. was like a real city guard. Like if you know what that is, you know what I mean. Like he just yeah. get it and go and create for people, and he was just like. It took him a while to be able to play for Mick. You know what I mean? I think like in this time where the transfer portal was is so prevalent, I don't know if he would have made it technically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he wouldn't have. Um, but like he he grew eventually grew to the point because his talent was good enough. But I mean, he was a guy when I first saw him, I said this dude could possibly be like one of the leading assist guys in the history of Bearcats if he just let him off the leash a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't. You know what I'm saying? He was making mistakes because I think he was a tick too late a lot and it was making a mess up. Yeah. And you know, I think what happened and I, and I don't want to make this a pick on Mick fest, but yeah. um, cause, cause listen, coaching's tough. You're standing up and everybody's watching you. So you get the, you get the criticism and, and you get, you get know, the glory too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think with Mick, Mick is so smart. Mick is so cerebral that, he knows what's about to happen. So he tries to, I think, at that time, I shouldn't say now, but at that time, I think he tried to control things by, look, the head of the snake is the point guard. So I yeah. need to constantly be in communication with that point guard and talking to them and telling, you know, because, yeah. I mean, Mick, Mick knows his shit. Oh, he, for sure. He knows. He's a winner. Like, no matter how, no matter how you feel about Mick Cronin, dude. The dude is a winner. You know what I'm saying? Like he's gonna, if you can put him any. If you give him three, three to four years, he's gonna get your program back where he needs to be. No question. He'll find the you right guys. What yep. he, did, what he's done at UCLA is pretty, pretty impressive. For sure. I got to give him a lot of credit. I think the credit I give him the most for is his growth too. Just changing, looking at the players that he had and. Knowing that, okay, these guys aren't like the guys I had at Cincinnati. I got to coach them a little bit differently. Um, yep. I think that's what good coaches do. You know, they adjust. Got to um, adjust, man. Yeah, you got to adjust. No, nah, he's he's definitely done a good job. I can't can't knock that at all. And and I think too with um with Wes Miller, I think the beauty of what he's doing is he's allowing these guys to play with a lot of freedom. Um, yeah. And and you know. I recruited you. This is uh, this is Wes. I recruited you for a reason, and I want you to go out and do those things that I recruited you to do. So go play. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so, um, so my 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 player to watch that I, that I believe will um, potentially change the dynamic of that game. And and like Neil said, I think this UD game is going to be a tough game. So hopefully he can open it up, getting downhill a lot. Right, penetrating, and we know in basketball, if you can penetrate and get to the lane, you've broken down the defense. Things are just going to open up, and he definitely has the ability to do that. So I'm hoping he does that and changes the uh, changes the course of the game, and uh, UC can uh, open it up. The Big O segment was sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. 
Do you have a business that needs better inventory control, production management, or improved accounting control? Outgrown QuickBooks or can't afford NetSuite? Give loyal Bearcat grads Doug and Kathy Jacobs at Smart Dog Solutions a call. They have been in your position and would love to help solve your problems. You can contact them at 513-739-9473 or online at smartdog-solutions.com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Now in the Kenyon segment, sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota, we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Man, as Neil, I'm piggyback off what Neil talk, talked about earlier. I mean, Dayton shoots the three very well. Bearcats have to. I don't think they've played a team. Well, Xavier shot lights out, of course. But um, I don't think they've t- played a team that's been consistent from the three like Dayton has been all year. Mm-hmm. So I think they have to funnel stuff into the big guys and swap. I mean, just. You know, I'm thinking Aziz, Vic, and Odie, they got to do wall up and block a lot of shots. But I think they got to run these guys off the three-point line. Um, that's that's what I'm looking at and controlling the glass. Neil, what do the Bearcats need to do to win big? Yeah, I think they just have to play controllable to their game. Obviously, winning the battle of the glass is important, but they just have to play their game. I mean, we saw how they kind of – Got off to slow starts versus Howard and Xavier on the road. But this is one of those environments where they cannot have a slow shooting start because of how good Dayton actually is. Dayton is a great team coached by Anthony Grant who will be able to take advantage. I mean, this is a Dayton team who has two big wins on the road this season versus LSU and St. John's. So for them to win big, they have to dominate the boards. And if they can find a way, with whether it's Victor Lockin or Aziz Bandego or John Newman, whoever it may be, on the defensive end to really create some uh, struggles there for Dayton, whether it's on the defensive end or inside the paint, they can keep Dayton off the glass. That's, that's the number one factor. You keep Dayton off the glass and you absolutely win the battle of glass where if they go out there and they out rebound the flyers by 10 or more, I think this is in great hands for them, but overall you just limit your turnovers. You take smart shots. I mean, obviously we talk about the neutral neutral site games where in the road games where they have struggled to shoot the ball uh, from behind the arc. I mean, Howard, they're five for 23 Xavier. They're five from 23 from behind the arc. It's a small sample size, but if they can get going from behind the arc. They limit their turnovers and they win the battle of the glass. They're in great hands there. So that's what I think they have to do on Saturday night versus Dayton. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. All right. So, um, what do we say? Dayton's seven and two, right? Winners of the last four games, they did not play UNLV, right? So, yeah. okay. Um, what you were saying, Neil, I think is spot on. We've got to out rebound them, and I, I, I'd like to see us get a lot of second chance points mm. this game, right? Yeah. I, I, I would love for us to see like a like a high level, high amount of second chance points. Um, more points off of turnovers. Um, you know, I know people are going to get sick of sick of me saying this until things <laughs> change. <laughs> you know, our, our pressure has to be more effective. Um, you know, pressure in the basketball, getting turnovers. Um, if we plan to be successful in the Big 12. And, I mean, I've said it before, but now, after walking by the TV and seeing B- BYU in the, what, what do we say, top 15? Is that right? Yes, sir. Yep. Man. 
that's going to be a tough game at their crib, traveling across the country. Uh, we, we've got to be ready. And we've got to be ready defensively. We've got to get stops. Because you know how it is, man. You go on the road and the the home team gets a couple buckets, goes on a 6-0 run. The crowd starts going crazy, right? And you've yeah. got to stop these runs. Um, and I don't know if we've I don't know if we've done that consistently enough at at, at a higher level, at, at, at a high level that I think we need to be at for, for Big 12 play. So what better opportunity than first Dayton and the next, what would that be? How many games do we have to after Dayton before BYU? Is that three? Four. Four. Four, four games? Four. 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 We have four more games. No. Right. Or are we, maybe three. Is it three? Uh, three, three, three. Three, my bad. My bad. I'm thinking, yeah, three. Three. So we've got basically Dayton and then three more games to clean that up and, and, and get ready. And all, and also, I want to say that at some point, have we had a game where, where everyone's kind of been clicking with what they do well? Hmm. You know, like – and I would say no because I don't think Simos has really had that game where he's clicked and done all the things he can do. Um, Vic has obviously done some stuff. Um, I don't know if we've really had a game like that. No, it's got to happen. No. I mean, something's got to happen soon where we're just like JT's going to get on this podcast and go, "That's the most complete game we've played this year." Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. We've had one close, but it still was like you could take like a uh, couple people that weren't like on that night, and they still blew, blew a team out, like Georgia Tech game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got to see it. I mean, it's it's definitely there because I think they have the pieces for it where you can have one of those nights where everybody that plays has eight points or or better. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you know, like you gotta maybe three or four in double figures, but everybody got seven and the nine. You're like, oh, man, everybody's effective. And a couple rebounds here and there still. So just depends, man. Just depends. I think I think it's coming together. I just um, this Dayton game would be very, very important um, just to see how they respond. And it's another big time uh, team before the Big 12. I agree. The Kenyon segment keys of the game was sponsored by Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota. Come see fellow Bearcat Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. This is where we cover hot topics, and I believe there's only one topic that we need to discuss. And that is Jamil Reynolds and his situation right now. I'll be honest, and I'm probably in the same boat as a lot of Bearcat fans. I'm completely confused on what's going on. Neil Meyer, Hollywood Neil, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Everywhere on a podcast. I think you you could be like on like a weather like a weather podcast. Like you'll be like a random podcast. Be like <laughs> we're bringing in Neil Meyer. Like what the fuck is Neil? <laughs> no right. Like, the weather's going to be 25 degrees. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it like, it's going to be 25 before the Bearcat game. And, um, yes. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Neil? <laughs> like a 10% chance of snowing. <laughs> uh, Neil, can, 
now you've been doing a great job in terms of you know following the whole situation with with uh, Jamil. Can you give the Bearcat fans a breakdown on what's going on? Yeah. So everybody knows that Jamil uh, Reynolds' uh, two-time transfer waiver was initially denied. So they went to the appeal process, and according to Wes Miller on Tuesday night, the NCAA has yet to get back to the University of Cincinnati regarding Jamil Reynolds' waiver. So as of last week, uh, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost, along with six other uh, attorney generals from across the United States, got together. They formed a seven-state antitrust law versus the NCAA in order to grant a potential temporary restraining order to get these two-time transfers to play. So yesterday they had the court hearing and it started at about nine in the morning, if I remember right. And it went all the way through until about one o'clock in the afternoon. During that court case, they had three players across college athletics take the stand. Jamil Reynolds was one of them. They also talked to Raekwon Battle from West Virginia, who is also in the similar situation, and Maddox Cop, who plays football at the University of Miami of Ohio. So within this court, this was a court case that took place in West Virginia. So this was all something that the players have appeared over Zoom. So it started overall with the day where they basically cross-examined the NCAA's attorneys saying, hey, this is where we're going to go from here to get this temporary restraining order. So then they crossed, then they brought Raekwon Battle into the situation first. And they cross-examined Raekwon Battle for approximately 37 minutes at first, talking about how his situation, uh, why he chose West Virginia and whatnot. Basically, the same situation Raekwon Battle was in was the same situation Aziz Bandego was in, where they cleared the mental health waiver, but they just said, hey, we're confused on why you chose this school in West Virginia. So basically, he put out a statement, West Virginia put out a statement, and then next thing you know, it's now in court a week later. So they go to the temporary restraining order case yesterday where they took, obviously they took the stand. The players took the stands. Jamil Reynolds took the stand. They asked him about his time at UCF, his time at Temple, what made him come to Cincinnati. So during the, about the 10 minute time frame of where Jamil Reynolds took the stand, questions that were asked was, hey, talk to us about your decision to transfer from UCF to Temple. He said he just needed to get out of home. He just needed a new environment. Understandable. He transfers the one time from UCF to Temple. So then they ask him about his time at Temple. And in the first week, he mentioned that he went out to dinner with some friends and uh, some members of the team. And as they were leaving the restaurant, a small altercation happened with a drunk guy, uh, is what the statement said. And then the guy ended up pulling a gun. So basically pulled a gun on these young men. And then on top of it, he later saw one of his best friends get robbed. And then not even a short time later, that same best friend was later killed. And then on top of that, he had an early warning workout short time later. Don't know the exact time frame on it, but his manager at the time out there in Philadelphia was going to go to a morning workout with him. So, Went to the workout, 
Jamil was there first, and he was wondering. His manager was late, he said. About a little bit later, his manager comes through the door through the gym and is crying, bawling his eyes out. And then next thing you know, he opens up and tells Jamil about how he was just robbed at gunpoint in Philadelphia. So Jamil made a strong case to say to the NCAA and the courts that his reason for transferring from Temple University to the Cincinnati University was that he strictly didn't feel safe at Temple, which any young adult, that's not an easy thing to go through. That's not an easy thing to go through and talk about at all as a human being. So the fact he overcame overcame all that stuff that took place at Temple led to him transferring to Cincinnati. So then the judges asked, okay, so what about this decision to Cincinnati? What led you to come here? And he said the reason he came to Cincinnati was the over the overloving support of the staff. He said he felt love, his family felt loved, and he just felt all the unconditional love from the coaching staff, the, uh, the city, everyone surrounding the program, that it made it for an easy decision for him to come here to Cincinnati and that he felt safe here. But he made it known that he did not feel safe at Temple in court. So then next thing you know, they go to the lunch break, they come back, they grant the temporary restraining order, which basically the judge says, hey, you are now, we are now granting two time transfers to come out here and they'll be eligible to play for the next 14 days with potential no punishment is what the initial court case said said they'll be eligible with a potential of no punishment coming to these young men. Flash forward 24 hours, not even 24 hours after the temporary restraining order gets granted, the NCAA came out with a statement today that said, if they decide to play those young men who are still waiting for their appeals, that if they play them here in the next 14 days, they're at potential risk of losing a year of eligibility. So in this situation right now, Jamil Reynolds still has two years left of eligibility. So he could play right now in these three games during this two-week time span while they wait for the next court hearing, which takes place on December 27th. So they could play in the next three games here, which are all the non-conference games, or they could wait it out and see how this thing plays out in court. But the temporary restraining order was granted, but then now the NCAA wants to overchange anything, which if you ask me, it's wrong. The NCAA had the opportunity to make this right for these young men and student athletes around the world. They had the opportunity to make this right. And then they throw something else in there at the last minute and it throws a whole loophole into what was just granted. So it's basically saying, what's the point of a temporary restraining order and getting these young men eligible? If they do decide to play, they still could get punished either way for losing a whole potential year of eligibility. And that could be in terms of development, in terms of academic standings getting a degree, it, it affects this thing in a lot of different ways. So that's where the current case stands right now. There is no de- full determination on if Jamil Reynolds will be playing Saturday night versus Dayton. Wes Miller said tonight on his post or his weekly radio show that they're still kind of having some conversations going on, but he said the decision will be up to Jamil Reynolds 100% if he wants to potentially play here the next three games or wait it out and see what happens. But just know if he does play here in any of these games, it could potentially cost him a year of eligibility, which is basically the same ruling as a red shirt for everyone who knows college basketball. So it's an un, it's a whole mess of a situation in itself. It's tricky. There's a lot of things people are still trying to comprehend 
ups, downs, what's what's going to be the next move, basically. So as of right now, that's where this case stands. It's just standing at the temporary restraining order was granted. But now if those players do decide to play, they could risk a whole year of eligibility, on the other hand, of potentially going to waste for playing in three games while this 14-day period is opened up. Oh, my Lord. JT, I feel like it was a book report. Man, it's like so much. <laughs> there was so much. It's like so much to it. Yeah, um, it's real nuanced, man. Like, it's crazy. Like, yesterday, everybody was, you know, happy. But, all right, it was good. It seemed like he would be able to play without, I mean, from what I was reading, it was like he would be able to play without really having much consequence until, you know, those 14 days. But, now, of course, the NCAA doesn't do right by the kids, man, or, or the young men. Um, and, and, you know, say, like, all right, if they say they, they stop it, then this dude loses a whole year of eligibility. Or any of these young men use a whole year, year, year of eligibility. That's crazy. It's like, you know, understand, I understand them having some kind of laws on, like, the second-time transfer, but when people transfer before you change the rule, you can't <laughs> penalize them for – your new rule when they're already in the portal or they already have committed to other teams. It's like this in, I don't know how to, what analogy I need to use for this, but it's just kind of like, um, it's a secondhand move and it's they're hiding behind it. And it's just, it's bad. It's bad. Now I understand for kids next year, if they go in the portal, they're not grad transfers in second year. Okay. They got to sit out a year just like the old, like the old days, but with the people that got in before you switched it, you can't penalize them on on the, um, a matter of fact, and that's what they're doing to these young men, and it's it's ridiculous. So it's just crazy because even even if Jamil gets to play this year, he's gonna all right. Essentially, say he plays and then they don't swing the hammer again. I mean, he's lost he's lost more than a quarter of the year already. Yep. You know, so it's like okay, now say if he plays, say he plays three games and then they put the kibosh on him. Like, how does that work? You know what I mean? Like, does he just play these three games and it's over for him? And I feel like that's terrible. Um, and it's just like they they're not looking out for the 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 student athlete when a coach can leave as many times as they want, long as that team that or that program that buys them out has the money to pay for it, it works. But if a young man takes the power or a young woman takes the power to dip, I don't understand how, you know, they're, they're getting handicapped from this. So it's it's weird. I understand they're trying to slow it down. But at the same time, for these young men that got in front of this process and have all the things that make sense, they're, they're penalizing for them. That's not right. And the NCAA, they're supposed to be about the young men and young women in this in um, in college. And it seems like they're counterproductive with that. So it, it's, it sucks um, because you're taking away time from young men and women that, um, you know, you know, season's on. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't stop the season or, re, you know, um, time is the most important thing everybody has. You can't, yep. can't buy more time. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, and, and that they're taking time away from this young man. Jamel Reynolds is his time is, I mean, he's getting education and stuff like that, but like his basketball time is being wasted by the NCAA at the end of the day. And it's also worth noting too, that say they do play him for the three games and they don't swing the hammer and then he's ruled ineligible again. The Bearcats 
an NCAA punishment. Say they go in that span, Jamil Reynolds plays, they go 3-0. Then he gets ruled ineligible if Reynolds plays. There is talks that the NCAA will not only make Jamil Reynolds ineligible and potentially take a risk of eligibility against him, but there would be there's early talks of them potentially vacating those wins that Reynolds played in those competitions if the rule comes down to it and being ineligible. The mm. NCAA had the opportunity to do things right here, but they yeah. right now they everything they had every opportunity to do things right. They testified in court yesterday. Dave Yost put out a tweet that there is currently almost a hundred basketball players sitting in the portal right now, waiting for the NCAA to make their decision on their waivers. That's a hundred athletes sitting there right now. Forty-four have heard back right now that got their waivers granted in the last couple weeks. But there is still nearly a hundred players sitting out there with not only life-altering decisions being made to travel across the country new atmospheres, all that kind of aspects. But this not only affects them on the court, it affects them off the court. Jamil Reynolds even testified in court. It is making it harder for him in terms of NIL deals because they signed these NIL deals. Now they're not getting to live up to the standards because of all this stuff. Say they got paid X, Y, and Z to play, do whatever they had to do in that deal. But if they're not playing, they're not on the court, it's hurting their NIL deals. And he even said that in the court. He's like, it's harder for us athletes to make money now with it being legal. NIL is fully legal. That yep. been embraced, it's fully legal. The university should know that. All universities know that. But the NCAA in itself need to take advantage and say, hey, NIL is legal. Let's let these young men profit off of their name, image, and likeness and do what they have to do. But not only did they mess this up by granting the temporary restraining order, but let's be honest, you get, you grant the temporary restraining order just to say, hey, we might not be able to go through this all the way. You do that. What's <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Neil, Neil. Was that your cat? There was a cat in the room. There was a cat in the room. That was loud. Yeah, your cat's fed up with the NCAA, too. I feel yeah, you. Sure is. Sure is. But <laughs> overall... You're taking a young a year away from these guys. Jamil Reynolds transferred from a horrible situation in Philadelphia, and he opened up about it to court. That is not an easy situation. He he said he did not feel safe out there. His coach got fired at the end of the season. People forget about that as well. 100%. Aaron McKee got fired, and then Jamil Reynolds hit the portal, came to Cincinnati, and since coming to Cincinnati – he has dropped nearly 50 pounds. He's in great academic standings, according to Coach Miller. They're just, they're just, NCAA is just not doing the right thing here. If they want to do the right thing, they grant the temporary restraining order. You give them the 14 days. What's, what are they waiting on? You granted the temporary restraining order. You had all the evidence laid out. Why are they waiting now? And say, oh, yes, we can make them eligible for 14 days, but then this could all overturn. So you're saying they went through all this stuff at first to change their life back to where they can get back right, get back on the court after overcoming the set hurdle just to potentially tear them down again, that's not right in my opinion. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. You know, okay, uh, I'm just going to kind of sum everything up. Just let them <laughs> sum up. Just sum it up. Just let all the kids play. If, if, if you're going to change the rule, change it in the offseason. Exactly. Right? It just Exactly. Which they already made it the new rule in the offseason where they said, hey, next year, 
there's going to be more strict transfer rules. So why are we punishing the kids now when the rules already changed for next year? It just makes no sense. It just it's dumb. And you know what? I think we're we're getting closer and closer to the top teams in football, basketball, just breaking away from the NCAA at some point. I I, I just think it's going to happen. And, and the more stuff like this that happens, people are just. I mean, have you ever seen anything like? This where like, everybody knows the NCAA is like corrupt and like bad leadership. I mean, yeah. openly talk. But do you ever? I don't ever see anybody from the NCAA. I don't even know who to boo. Like, Me either. right? Who do you boo? Like, who do we? Who do we put in the? Like, and I don't know this, but who do you tweet about? Be like, man, forget this person. You know, or who? I don't even know who it is. NCAA is is like a. Uh... It's like the boss off Inspector Gadget. Like you don't see the face, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't see the face. Like you know it's a bad person there, <laughs> but you see like the shape of it, but you don't know what it looks like. You could walk by that person and not know who it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's they're so poorly run. You know what they need? They they well not they but we need a full documentary one day on the ncaa like like what's really going on like the inner workings and everything huh like in those offices in those meetings some of the wacky decisions they make some of the shit they cut it's just bizarre to me i just i scratch my head i feel like i feel like the people that work at the ncaa they all got like another job and they're like all like they get they get paper from the ncaa so it's like it's a sweet come up, you know what I'm saying? And they don't take it serious. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I don't know this to be true, but I've heard that like some of the people will that are involved in a ruling on basketball will also be involved in rulings with volleyball and other sports. Like I, I've always felt like the NCAA, and I, and I don't know this to be true. I don't know if they have this or not be true they need to have a committee that is strictly basketball a basketball committee and and, and it is comprised of basketball fucking people true look at how many good basketball people are out there that you could put on these committees that could help make change and understand that the student athlete comes first and how important they are and their mental health and imagine if you had like coaches that have retired you know that, that want to be on these some players that, you know, maybe um because uh, I was watching them earlier. Um, Richard Jefferson, you know, played at Arizona, played in the league. He's now doing stuff on TV. Put him on a dang committee. Like, he would be, you know what I'm saying? People like that. Throw J.J. Redick into that mix as well. Yeah. yeah for sure. It's a lot of people that got the acumen to be able to, to pull that off. So it's like. Do it like you start putting people that don't care about probably don't care about the kid, the young man, haven't experienced it, haven't been around it, and then now everybody, now you're judging, holding up uh, a lot of these young men in your hands and women in your hands, and you don't even care about the sport. And you know what? I think if, if they put too many smart people together to form a committee, let's say for basketball and football, what they're going to do this smart committee, they're going to put the, 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 the central focus is going to be the student athletes. Whereas I feel like 
NCAA is the bottom line. Like they're like, this is gonna this is gonna mess up our money. <laughs> this is gonna mess up the raises we're gonna get, you know, on, on January first. Um, and True. you know what I'm saying? Like, it. I, you know what drives me nuts? And this is the last thing I'm gonna say, and we're, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna leave on because y'all got me fired up. I feel you. rolling. If I see that damn commercial again, where the NCAA, it happens on March Madness every year. They run during the football playoffs where they act like it's a commercial talking about how much they care about the student athlete. And I'm just like, no, you don't. Like, don't don't put out that commercial. That's that's hogwash. That's that's not true. That commercial drives me crazy. <laughs> that the fact that, okay, everybody knows you're corrupt. Just just roll with it. Like, don't even try to put out a commercial to fight it. Uh, for sure. Yeah, you gotta you gotta roll with it. Like if you're if you're if you're that, like if you're the boss and you're doing what you do, you got you can't can't throw a rock and hide. The NCAA throws a lot of rocks and hides. Boy. It's like, come on, man. Like just be, like either be a pure asshole from the beginning and in the end. And we live with it, or like just come around. Like they don't want to adjust. They want to give a little and just take it right back. It's, it's crazy. It's like help these young men out, these young women out, and it's gonna help them out because more people are. I mean, it's just gonna be more fruitful. They're still gonna get their money. So it's like just do what you gotta do to help these people out. Or easier solution: just come out next year at the end of the season and say no two-time transfers. Boom. Not, and just say that if you do it, if you got if you're two time, no matter what, you're gonna have to sit out. Unless you're exactly. a grad transfer, just have, if you're a grad transfer, you, that's the only exception. I don't care what happened, no exceptions. If you're a second time transfer, you're stuck for a year. You gotta sit out a year, and that's what it is. But they gotta put it in there and don't penalize people for don't try to change it in the middle of the process. Like they got it right now. If you transfer in this basketball season. You're stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like you're stuck for a year. It's your second transfer and you're not graduated. And that's it. And the kids got to know. And then they got to make that decision. That's all it is to it. But they, they, they were fed. Like Jamil was fed false information. Exactly. It said it's going to be fine. All those guys that went in there said it's going to be fine. They said if they met the criteria, boom. And then they changed it after they already had committed. So it was like you already got when they changed the rule, it was already switched. And they change, you know what I mean? Like they already had committed to a school or were already in a portal. You, you, it's, it's that. I mean, I think that's like secondhand. It's can't you can't tell me like okay if I go, you know what I mean? Like my kid comes to ask me a question, I tell him it's all good, but then, you know, five minutes later I tell him no, just because. I don't know, like just because like I just changed my mind. Like it's the same situation. I changed my mind. So it's just like, I don't know, especially for something that important. Like, it's super important. I'm like, oh, I don't do this. And then it's something simple. I feel like that's, that's you know, NCAA is being a parent, but they're being like an unfair parent where you got to change and roll with the, I mean, help the kid out. Like, help the kids out. You're not supposed to be trying to and have, you know, you know harm them. And I feel like they're trying to harm these young men. You never know. Like, these some of these kids young men or women, they had to sit out. You just don't know how it's going to affect them. Mental health is real. I mean, we just had a freaking pandemic a couple of years ago, still getting through that. 
Um, it's just a different time. It's not 1990 anymore. I agree. I agree. I think we need to we need to um, get teams to break away from the NCAA at some point. Just that'd be crazy. I, I think do it though. I think it's gonna happen, and then it probably will. I just hope. I I just want to see how it, like how it affects like the little and the bigger schools. Yeah, that's the thing. And I and listen when I throw that out, I, I don't know how the rest of it would would, would shape up. So I don't want to like shortchange any other schools and things like that. But I mean, as long as you see, it's cool, right? <laughs> but you know what? It's like I feel I, I would love for one day just to go to the NCAA headquarters and, and just sit in on meetings and, and be around and see what they do inside that freaking place. Same, man. I bet you, I bet you they got like one of those offices nobody's at anymore, though. That's true. After the, the post pandemic. Yeah. I bet you like people are just everything Zoom. The dude, I'm telling you, I feel like you can work like multiple jobs. I bet you, you can make good money at the NCAA and you've got like another good job. You could I'm be. telling you, because like, why is it taking so long for the appeals to get run through? Like, it should be an appeal department for every sport. And they should that should be their job from nine to five. And why can't you do that? Like you take time to do everything. You should have some you have to have a department, like they should be able to do it super fast, or at least in a timely manner. Like it's no reason why Jamil sent something in what October, September. They sent the appeal at the end of October. And yeah, then October. they said, Hey, we'll get you back in hopefully two to three October. weeks for the initial thing. Then they go, Oh, we'll hear from you mid-December. Flash forward to now. We're sitting at a federal court case. We're in the no middle answer. of December. And we, I mean, I, Coach Miller, I remember we talked, it was, it was November. So it was like, the thing is, like, why don't they have like five to eight, like four to eight people that are just purely on freaking appeals and they should be able to handle that? Like, if I, you know what I mean? Like, I do mortgages and then like i have a team you know what i'm saying that does certain things and i should be able to handle that situation like why can't they freaking handle something so simple like all they all their job should be just to handle the appeals right like why the fuck is it taking so like so why is it so hard like i don't understand so it's dumb it's dumb so i don't know we might not end because of this situation like this is fun going to keep keep going but i don't i don't understand why the ncaa makes it so hard or something so simple and then be done like why haven't they even heard from them that don't even make sense and what's crazier too so this could all be overturned in two weeks but if it's going to be overturned then why even issue a temporary restraining order in the first place that makes that's, no sense to me yeah and definitely the the for the temporary to come through and then for somebody to say if they do play and they stop and they take the temporary away then you could lose your eligibility a whole year it's like why like you just double down being an asshole like it's just bad this is crazy because it's, you like, it's like christmas time like y'all y'all like they must don't like they're just grinches like yeah yeah like, uh, like super grinches like like why would you like it's about to be christmas new like holidays new year like what you don't got no 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 love in your heart you know what i'm saying oh, I when i was That's listening crazy. to the court case yesterday they basically went like three hours long it was like 12.55. They go, okay, we're going to go take a quick lunch break, and we're going to come back at 1.30. You're taking a 35-minute lunch break. Yes, understand. Court needs recess and whatnot. But if you're taking a 30-minute break, you're going to come back, and you say, I'm going to announce my decision at 
with the temporary restraining order, whether we give it or we don't grant it. You knew your answer right there. What was the point of the recess? If you knew coming back after the recess, you take a 30, 35 minute recess, however long it was, just come back and be like, oh, boom, we grant a 14 day restraining order. You knew you was going to grant the restraining order before you went to break. You could have saved a lot of instant and just instead of dragging it out, you could have been like, here it is. Boom. We grant the restraining order. We'll be back in two weeks. Here we go. Go from here. Milking it. I don't know how you sat there and listened to that thing, boy. I, me I, either. I, it was real interesting. I'll say that. Me um, either. I don't know how you sat out. Me either. Man, you on your own if you think that's interesting, bro. I could <laughs> sit there and listen to that. But me personally, I, they knew that they were going to grant that restraining order right there. Drug it out as long as they could. Bing. And here we are. Well, I tell you, I, I hope, uh, you know, I hope for Jamil's sake, Millie, that uh, he's able to play at uh, at some point very, very soon. The Twyman segment was sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Visionary Cleaners is a locally owned company by former Bearcat student athletes. They specialize in high quality commercial cleaning of businesses, apartment and pre and post construction cleans. They can be reached at 513-388-7816 or contact on the web at visionarycleaners.com. Listen, um, before, before I forget real quick, um, thanks to everybody who listened to our first interview series for the podcast with associate head coach Chad Dollar, um, presented by Meyer Windows, Doors, and More. Uh, we're going to have another interview set up very soon. Uh, it's going to be one of the Bearcat players, and we'll be announcing that very soon. Now, fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Donahue Accounting Services, Smart Dog Solutions, Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota, and Visionary Cleaners. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Mio's Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Mio's for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. And reminder, we'll be doing a live podcast during the season from Mio's at some point. And you're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, Come to Donahue Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online, DonahueAccountingService.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Go Bearcat! Go Bearcat!